Being a parent can be really challenging. It's normal to feel uncertain about whether you're doing the right things to raise healthy and happy children. That's why Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them build confidence in their parenting journey. Everyone deserves to have someone they can turn to for support with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Well, this episode has been in the freezer for a long time. This story started when I recognised someone in a viral video that was shared by the Huffington Post. They said he was an actor, but I knew about his colourful past. If you like this show, please take a minute and leave a nice review on iTunes as that really helps people find us. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe where you downloaded this and then you won't miss an episode. I have news. On the 20th of September, that is this coming Wednesday, we are doing a live fascinated episode in the workman's club in dublin at 8 p.m in the vintage room the tiny little room the guests are incredible deirdre o'kane is my guest she is an incredible stand-up comedian she's a brilliant actress and she is a fascinating person to talk to and also my other guest is Naomi coleman who i found her back in episode 19 if you haven't heard that that is one of my favorite episodes she is going to tell us what she's been up to she has Pretty exciting news, and she's also going to be performing. That is going to be a great night. I am very excited. Tiny room, those two fantastic women, and I will do my best to hold it all together. For more information or to get tickets, you can log on to DublinPodcastFestival.ie. I'm very excited. Hello, you are very welcome to another episode of Fascinated. Back in 2015, an article from the Huffington Post landed on my timeline. The headline said, Gay man surprises his boyfriend with incredible musical marriage proposal in Havana. Did I want to see a big romantic gay proposal? Absolutely I did. The video starts with a man called Michael in a car with his friend. And Michael is on the way to propose to his boyfriend, Craig. The taxi on our way to the big proposal. There was something about Craig. Amazing, it's been the best trip ever. Something I couldn't quite put my finger on. And then I did. Holy shit. That's Craig from Deuce. Now, I realise that some of you won't remember Deuce. They were a pop band that existed all too briefly back around 1995. That was a really odd time in music on this side of the world. Everyone was more Danny than Kylie. Boyzone were the new kids in town. Scatman John was a thing. What's the Story Morning Glory had just been released and East 17 were riding high. Deuce was the brainchild of their manager, Tom Watkins. At the time, he had an office intern who had made it known that she had a pretty good voice. Tom was also fixated on her kitsch dress sense and unique singing style. Her name was Kelly O'Keefe and Tom decided to build a pop group around her. 
At the time, the charts were wall-to-wall boy bands, Britpop and female solo singers. It was all a bit serious and Juice were pitched as this antidote to all of that. They were a two-boy, two-girl group and they were launched in a big media bubble. Kelly had recruited her old school friend Lisa Armstrong and Tom Watkins had found Paul Holmes and Craig Young. Girls and gay men fell for this kitschy, cheeky, dayglow foursome. The first single, Call It Love, was released with a bizarre video that featured bouncers, babies and boogies and Tony Mortimer from E17. It was high energy and high camp and it almost went top 10. For the second single, their manager decided to capitalise on this and entered the band in the Great British Song Contest. The public voted competition to decide on the UK's Eurovision entry. At the time, the BBC were trying to make the competition young and fresh and they wanted cool pop acts to enter. Juice's entry to the competition was a song called I Need You and they debuted it live on Top of the Pops. You can watch this performance on YouTube and to be honest, it's a bit of a mess. There's an overly complex dance routine with a lot of jumping and the camera angles don't help. They don't look like they're enjoying it. They made a lot of changes to their performance before the live final. They upped the cutesy kitsch and their choreography was simplified, which made it easier to execute and, as they would later learn, easier to imitate. They didn't win the competition. It was won by one-hit wonders Love City Groove. Deuce came third, 8,000 points ahead of young and fresh Samantha Fox. The single was a hit and they went back on top of the pops, having already sold 75,000 copies of the song. There were reports at the time that while they were recording their segment, Bjork, who was there to promote Army of Me, was glued to a monitor and copying the steps of their routine. They released their album, Juice on the Loose, and one further single, On the Bible. After this, Juice as we knew them were effectively over. The fourth single, coincidentally titled Let's Call It A Day, was cancelled when Kelly O'Keefe quit the band for personal reasons. It was a really short run, they were picked up for another single by Mike Stock and they used a replacement for Kelly. And then Craig left and they toured Australia with a stand-in. Deuce were a perfect pop moment. They were shiny and brief. But sometimes the greatest success comes from something that is tweaked just slightly. While they had a short life, their legacy is that they were very obviously the blueprint for a pop group that was launched just as Deuce were winding down. Steps. camp styling, the nod to gay culture, the catchy choreography. There is also big similarities between the pop video for Steps' version of Tragedy and Deuce's On the Bible. After the group, Paul Holmes went on to songwrite and wrote music for Robin Gibb. Lisa Armstrong is the head makeup artist on Strictly Come Dancing and is married to Ant of Ant and Deck. And Kelly is believed to have worked as a stylist at some point. And she was also believed to have run a restaurant. But nobody really knows because she's completely off the grid. After the group ended, Craig ended up in Los Angeles where he has worked steadily in television. And he's extremely successful. In the past, he has had roles on NCIS, Hawaii Five-0, Hot in Cleveland, Break a Hip, and he has just finished production on a short film that he has written and directed. His juice days are a distant memory. I interviewed Craig over two years ago. I was in between seasons and so the interview was held over for a while. And then my hard disk crashed and I assumed the interview was gone forever. However, recently I came across an old USB key and on it, lo and behold, was a backup. But believe it or not, losing the whole interview was not the only disaster that happened with this episode. 
I was supposed to meet Craig shortly after the interview for breakfast in Los Angeles. But unfortunately I had to cancel because that day I was a guest on the Ronna and Beverly podcast on Earwolf. I woke up that morning with a chest infection and absolutely no voice. So I had to cancel breakfast and head straight to a chemist to get a very bizarre quick fix that got my voice back for the interview. But if I'm honest, left me a little bit off my face. At the triplet school named Kiva. Oh, yeah. Will you spell no. Kiva for me? Uh, C-A-O-I-M-H-E. Mm-hmm. M. There's so, an what M is it? C- C-A-O-I-M-H-E. I hate everybody. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's not stupid is what it is. Well, oh, it's just a nation of villages. I recently got in touch with Craig again to say that this episode would be coming out. And he's still very busy. He's currently starring on two series, Different for Girls, which is a British L word, and a show called Ninja K versus the Valiant Universe, based on a comic book. He plays Neville, an MI6 agent who sends the superheroes on all their assignments. This interview with Craig is as a result of a number of happy coincidences. I hope you enjoy it. He is a lovely guy. This is Craig Young. Your fiancé's marriage proposal went viral. What was that like? You know, it was kind of... It, it was interesting because we initially put it out there just for our friends and family to see as like a, a surprise, you know, hey, guess what? We're getting married. And then I guess one of Michael's friends at the Huffington Post uh, saw it and asked him if he could share it. And Michael asked me and I was like, well, I guess, you know, yeah, absolutely. If it helps the cause of you know the Supreme Court ruling in any way or people's, you know, perception of what gay marriage would look like or, you know, uh, I, I, for me, I thought it was a sort of flash mob um, proposal that, you know, any couple could have arranged it. It wasn't necessarily a, a gay flash mob, you know what I mean? I, I just, I, our, our, our purpose of it was like, you know, look, this is a proposal like any other proposal. Um, you know, we're, mar- marriage is no different whether you're gay, straight, bisexual, you know, whatever. It's like, it, it love is love. And that's sort of like, I guess, why why I, I, I agreed for it to be sort of public and um yeah it was a really nice feeling that you know the responses were good and you know people were sort of moved by it and you know um a lot of my friends back home who actually didn't know about my sexuality that saw it you know um facebooked me and were like oh my god you made had me in tears you wanker it's interesting that you said that because uh People in the UK and Ireland might remember you, and Europe, I suppose, would remember you from the pop band Juice. I remember when I saw uh, the video, I recognised you and went, hold on a second, I didn't realise he was the gay one. I thought that was the other one. Um, <laughs> and then when I watched the videos, the old Juice things, I was like, oh, no, no, they were both, they were both the gay ones. <laughs> <laughs> right. The clues um, were all there, right? <laughs> did you, did, uh, when that happened, did you have a lot of people go, hey, wait a minute, that's your man? Um, yeah, yeah, you know. And for me, it was kind of, um, you know, obviously when I was back in the band, I had a sort of specific role and, um, you know, it was kind of to, to be sort of like the cute one in the band and, you know, have teenage girls sort of, you know, fancy me, I guess. And, um, you know, so it was like sexuality was never, and it was actually never asked. I have to say it was like, everyone was very curious about Paul and I guess maybe because he was a little bit more open than I was. Um, and so people just assumed that, you know, oh, if it's a, a band, there has to be one gay one, and uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, like, I guess he kind of took the the uh, pressure off, I guess, and so for me, and also I was kind of like back and forth in my sexuality back then. Anyway, I wasn't really, um, 
you know, I, I was I was still very questionable, um, going back and forth between guys and girls. So um, just having a good time, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, hey, I, you know, I can. I I I was sort of lucky. I mean, I, you know, because back then, twenty years ago, a lot of people were like choose a lane and stay in it. You know, yeah. and it was like very much like even even you know, um, it, the, the gay people that I met were like. Look, you know, you got to choose. You got to choose whether you're one or the other. Yeah, and, um, it's so different now. <laughs> yeah, it's now like you know. I guess the term now is like sexually fluid. Um, yeah. So uh, you know, back then, and so I was like, you know, hey, well, I like having sex with women. I like having sex with men, but I see myself more in a real relationship with a man than I do a woman. And it's been great. You know, I'm 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 glad I'm sort of. Uh, well, you seem happy. <laughs> comfortable in my sexuality. Yeah, and tell us how did uh, how did the pop band all come about? Uh, because you were you were uh, studying to be an actor, weren't you, uh, in London? Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I was working in a, in a restaurant, and um, this guy used to come in every Sunday. Uh, you know, around the same age, and he said, "Hey, I'm putting back putting together this band, and I'd really like you know for you to be in it." I'm like, "Well, wait a minute, you haven't heard me sing. What are you talking about? What is this?" He's like, well, "Great hair, know. Craig." <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and um, anyway, he was like, you know, just come along for the audition and, you know, meet some of the other folks that are already in the band. I was like, OK, sounds interesting. You know, the age of 18, it's like, you know, the, I'm just moving to London. The You know, the world's a big place and, you know, every opportunity is an opportunity. So uh, I went along and I met Tom Watkins, who was the manager, and Kelly and Lisa, who were already in the band. And... Um, we took some photographs together to sort of like match it up. And I went into the sound booth to record us, you know, you know, do a sound test, I guess. And, uh, Tom came out and once I came out after singing, Tom came out as like, a oh, good effort. Oh, nice. <laughs> so I was like, Oh, there's no way I'm getting this. You know, it was just, I was just sort of doing it for the experience. Yeah. And, um, and then the next day I got a call and said, Hey, we'd love for you to be a part of the band. So, wow. uh, I called my mom and said what do you think and and she's like you know talk talk to some of the people you're in school with uh in college with and find out you know uh talk to the professors and see what they suggest i spoke to one professor i was really close with and he said you know take it he's like it's a really good opportunity and it'll open a lot of doors for you you could do three years of drama school and you know be jobbing around and never get a break and you know you can just really if you're given an opportunity or an open door, you 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 take yeah, it. Yeah, just go through it. So that's what that's how it sort of came about. How long did the band last? I was trying to I was trying to work it out there. It like it it seemed like a short space of time because there was one album, wasn't there? And yeah, and then I suppose all of a sudden, then I suppose Steps arrived and did more or less the same thing, uh, and and then got more longevity out of it. I suppose. Yeah, we we broke up before Steps formed. Um, so I guess, you know, some might say we've sort of paved the way for them in, in terms of like the girl boy band thing. Yeah. And there was a kind of a um, kitsch campy sort of yeah. style to the whole thing. And, and that yeah. was just absorbed, I think, by steps then. For us, it was, uh, you know, gone through so many formations. Like, so the guy that asked me to be in the band uh, before we actually released was let go. And Paul came in. Um, oh, okay. So Tom Watkins wanted the band because the other guy was a little older than me. And um, Tom wanted the band to be really young and all around the same age. So he hired Paul. So that's when the original members of Juice were sort of formed. And uh, then 
And Kelly left after on the uh, on the Bible, and uh, she sort of had a bit of a, a bit of a breakdown and and uh, personal reasons. She needed to leave the band. So um, okay. once she left, it, we replaced her with Mandy, who uh, was a, a, a dancer that we'd met at Pineapple Studios. That we you know we were constantly always rehearsing there, and she was there as doing backup dancing for other artists and okay. uh we became really friendly so we asked her to join the band and uh we went on and had a single called no surrender then i left shortly after that and then i guess they, they replaced me with someone <laughs> and then they went off to australia on a bit of a world uh, a bit of a tour for about six months i think i remember um and this is a bleak point, Craig. I remember reading a, a Smash Hits interview with you just after I think you had left. I think it was the first time I'd kind of seen the dark underbelly of pop. You weren't happy and you were talking about your experience in the band. And one of the things I remember was that you, you said you worked in a cinema, I think, while you were yeah. actually in the band. I think what people tend to forget is that, you know, like any business, when you're starting out, um, you know, you, you sort of take a, a very small wage and, you know, even though it looks like glamorous and we, we had a, a million dollar, a million pound record deal, um, when you sort of divide that up between, you know, the videos that you make and the stylists and the makeup artists and the tour manager and security and management fees, um, photo shoots, all that sort of stuff, it, a, a million pounds is not, actually not a lot of money. So it kind of goes pretty quickly recording you know this is all the stuff that you have to do in order to make yeah. one album so um you know we were we were on a wage we we kind of put ourselves on a wage of 200 pounds a week uh 20 years ago probably sounds like a lot but you know it really wasn't when you you know living in london and you have rent to pay and bills to pay and sort of yeah. live this lifestyle that people sort of expect of you um and yeah so you know after after the first album ended uh, London Records decided not to pick up uh, Renew for a second album. So we didn't have any money coming in. You know, the only money we had was sort of like the money from the gigs that we were doing around town. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for that, you know, we still had to pay our tour manager and, you know, travel expenses and hotel bills. And um, I remember we were on the uh, the Smash Hits Roadshow and... Um, and I spoke to my management company. I was like, look, because our wages had stopped at that point. I was like, wow. look, you know, I, I've got bills to pay. I don't know. You know, I need to I need to kind of get some income here. But, you know, I, I don't know how long I can survive in this band and gigging without getting any income. And uh, they were like, just hold on a bit, you know, a couple of months. And I'm like, a couple of months? Like, oh, <laughs> I'm struggling to pay my rent. Yeah. Um, and so a buddy of mine worked at the Mayfair Cinema in uh, the Curzon Cinema in Mayfair. And, uh, you know, I was like, I need a job. I, I've like got to put food on the table. And he's like, well, you know, come and work at my cinema. He's like, no one will, you know, recognize you. You, you know, just dye your hair or something for the time that you're out of the band. And, uh, you know, just come and, you know, be an usher. You're in the dark most of the time. Nobody's going to even bat an eyelid. <laughs> And so that's what I did. I, I kind of disguised myself and dyed my hair brown and, you know, and uh, looked completely different. And I had to put on the waistcoat <laughs> and show people to their seats in this uh, fancy cinema in uh, Mayfair. <laughs> and when you were going to the management saying, like, I don't have any money here. I'm, you know, I don't know, 19 years of age. And, uh, you know, management are still getting paid for these gigs. 
I presume, because, I mean, they weren't hiring out Juice for nothing. Um, that must have been really, really frustrating. Like, did, did you find that the four, did you in any way band together or did it kind of fracture you? Uh, it kind of fractured us. I mean, you know, because that, that was one of the things that happened is, uh, I remember we were at a, a gig somewhere. Uh, me, uh, Lisa and Mandy were sat down and I said, you know, look, I, I will do this, this next single, um, which was No Surrender. I said, but if it doesn't get top 20... I'm going to have to leave. I'm going to have to reconsider what I'm doing here with my career because I can't afford to be in this band anymore. And they took it really hard and they, you know, but, you know, Lisa was living at home with her mom and, you know, Mandy had like sort of, you know, uh, was living with her boyfriend and was sort of being taken care of. So for a single yeah. lad, it was, you know, it was really sort of tough, but, you know, they, they were really sort of upset about that decision. I was like, you know, look, I just can't afford to do this anymore. And I have to kind of think of myself in this situation and, you know, and I need to go and, you know, live and, and afford afford for my you know lifestyle. Not that it was a fantastic lifestyle, but, you know, at least I, my bills were paid. and whatever. Yeah, putting food on the table. And, uh, you know, they understood in the end, I think. Uh, but, yeah, when that single kind of charted it, I think it went, came in at 27. And uh, I was sort of, you know... Uh, fielding options at that time and uh, MTV and GMTV uh, you know had, had offered me presenting roles and you know it was and a wage. one one day was more than what I was getting paid for one week in the band wow. <laughs> and so I'm like you know guys I have to take this opportunity you know I can't I can't stay in this band and do this uh, as it is, you know, I, I, I can't afford it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was it, you know, and I think they were sort of upset that I didn't give it, you know, more of a more of a shot. But, you know, I didn't want to go down with a sinking ship either. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. In a situation like that where you're not getting paid, that becomes finite, I suppose. You yeah. Know, as soon as you're not getting money in the door, it's like, well, OK, I'll, I'll do this for as long as I can. And then something has yeah. to replace it. Um, I mean, we would get money from the door, you know, like we would do a gig and it'd be five grand um, for for a, a, a night. Uh, but, you know, factor in 25% of that's going to the management company. You have to pay the tour manager, the clothing yeah. person, hotels, travel, gas. You know, it didn't really need, leave an awful lot left over, you know. No. All in all, you were. how long were you in the band? It was a couple of years, was it? Uh, yeah, about two and a half years. I always think it's interesting that when pop singers or, or people like that from your childhood, that later on in life, they're still the pop singer, if you know what I mean. Like I was talking to somebody today and I said, uh, I just said, you know, I'm recording interviews. I've got one this evening. And they said, oh, who is it? And I said, well, it's Craig Young. He's an actor. And then I said, it's Craig from Juice. And immediately he just went, oh, yeah, Craig from Juice. Oh, my God. So Yeah, I was thinking about changing my last name to From Juice. From Juice, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's all it used to be is like literally if you saw all the magazines and stuff, it would say Craig from Juice. From Juice. Yeah. <laughs> Did that play any part in, in you deciding to, I suppose, to up sticks and go to L.A.? Or... No, um, actually, after uh, Juice and then uh, hosting for a little bit, uh, you know, I wanted obviously my path was I wanted to get back into acting as soon as possible. And um, I signed with an agency and they put me up for an audition for a TV show called Dream Team. And um in the UK, which was a sort of a soccer show, uh, soccer drama show. And I got the job and, you know, I was on that for uh, about 18 months before LA sort of come calling, you know. 
it's worth noting for listeners, you're in big TV shows. <laughs> it's not that you're it's not that you're jobbing around the fringes or something. Like I mean, you've you've been on NCIS, you've been on Hawaii Five O. Like when you go into a well-oiled machine like that as a guest star, what's that like to go into something that's already fully formed? Um, it's always a little nerve-wracking because you have you know you have no idea how they're going to be. You know whether they're going to be welcoming to you, whether they're going to ignore you. Um, you know, every different, every job is very different. Um, so it's always a little like, you know, trepidating and kind of wondering how how people are going to be with you. But you know, I've I've had great experiences actually. A couple of couple of shows where you know the stars on the show, have, you know, sort of in their own heads and um, you know not not really welcoming. But you know that's fine. They've got a job to do, and that's that's what they do. But you know, for for the most part, everyone's really great, and you know they make you feel right at home, and you know talk to you, find out where you're from, what you do, all that kind of good stuff. So yeah, m- mainly what's, pleasant. What's been your coolest experience? Um, I guess LL Cool J. I think that was uh, for me like a you know I I kind of grew up with uh, his, his music, and um, yeah, and he was you know s- sort of uh, that whole Beastie Boys rappers and the, yeah. Was kind of like a part of my youth, and so when I got to work with him, and you know, we, we were like just chatting on set one day, and we're talking about music, and oh, do you still do the music? He's like, yeah, I just did this really great uh, collaboration with Kasabian, and I'm like, oh, cool, that's amazing, I love that band, and he's like, hey, you want to listen to it? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So he got got his headphones out, and you know, is uh, on his phone, and kind of hit play. And so I got, kind of got to listen, you know, a first listen, I guess, of his uh, song with Kasabian, which was really cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. I, I had a similar experience with Mariama from The Honeys when I interviewed her, but I suppose that's that's kind of different. <laughs> <laughs> when you moved over to LA and I suppose you're meeting new people all the time and you had a new life over there. And when they found out about the band, like, you know, when it came up in conversation, what like what was the story that you told? You know, I, I never really sort of brought it up, I think. I think because ma- of the management company that I was with, signed with in the States, they were like, nobody really cares about what you've done back home. And I think, you know, in order for you to, you know, sort of be taken seriously, um, let's not mention the band stuff, you know. So it was, it was really sort of kind of reinventing myself. Uh, but then <laughs> this was the days before YouTube, you know, because YouTube's <laughs> only just turned 10. So nobody could really find out anything about you. Uh, but then, um, you know, it, it's funny, even now, you know, we were on, on a trip to Cuba uh, and uh, so we met some new friends and my cousin, oh, Craig used to be in a band. I'm like, shh. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're like, oh, my God, what was it called? And I'm like, deuce. And they're like, what? Like going for a number two. Uh, oh. <laughs> it's in America now. Deuce means taking a duck. Yeah. And um, I'm like, yes, exactly. Uh, we were foreboding. I said, and it gets even worse. The name of the album was On The Loose. And they're like, oh. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's quite funny. It's, it almost seems like a parody. You know, like people don't actually believe that. It, it's it's very t- uh, spinal tap. You know, like they can't believe that there was an actual band called Deuce. Yeah, of course. God, I never even uh, thought of that. Uh, so it's co- sort of quite comedic. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, we, we we talk about oh, we toured with Boyzone and East Seventeen and um, uh, Backstreet Boys opened for us and you know, people they like, opened oh, for you. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's always fun. 
And are, are you still in touch with uh, any of the lads back from those days, from the road shows or anything like that? Um, yeah, um, I know Matt Pateman and David Ross from Bad Boys Inc. Oh, I've actually yeah, I interviewed David about his film, uh, I Do. Oh, cool, uh, yeah. He so was he in the first series. He's a good friend of mine. I guess I know Kavanaugh pretty well. Uh, John Lee from oh, yeah, yeah. S Club. So, you, uh, so you're still in touch with the, the We Were All There Then? Yeah, I guess, uh, the e, do you remember EYC? Vaguely, yeah. Yeah, they were from Express America. yourself clearly. How the hell did I remember yes, that? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, we'd be like, EYC, uh, what one of you? But, yeah, so they're, uh, they live out here, so I see them from time to time, you know. It's fun. If you were to sum up your life so far, this being the first chapter, how would you sum it up? Uh... Lucky bastard. <laughs> you know, how many how many kids at the age of nine sit in front of their television uh, watching Baywatch and imagining to live in Los Angeles and, you know, be on television and it's uh, and sort of having that dream as a kid and it all sort of, you know, coming to fruition in one way or another. And, a couple of know. times too, with the, yeah. like the music, the presenting, the acting. Yeah, yeah, very lucky. I mean, you know, hopefully I'm a good enough fraud that I sort of get away with the things that I do, but, uh, you know, I, I, I manage them, so. <laughs> and what's next? Uh, you said in the email there, you have an audition today, actually, so we yeah. need to let you go. Uh, but w- what's next for you? What's coming up? Um, well, I'm actually developing a one-man show, which I'm taking to Edinburgh next year. It's called The Lost Year of Richard Burton, and it's... Um, Basically, he wrote a series of he wrote diaries from a very young age uh, and they were published in 2012. But there was a couple of years missing. And so I started doing research and finding out, well, why, you know, why didn't he write during that time? Uh, The most interesting year is 1964 when he was on stage. He was on Broadway um, performing Hamlet being directed by Sir John Gilgood. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he just started his uh, his very famous affair with Elizabeth Taylor, and uh, his alcoholism had sort of taken a hold of him, and things were spiraling spiraling out of control. And it, it was really it was just that time before you know fame hit, and it became really really big. And um, so yeah, so I've been developing a one man show that I've written, and uh, I'm going to take to Edinburgh next year. That's going to be amazing. It's been lovely to talk to you. Um, you too. Well, thank you so much. That was the fantastic Craig Young there. Now, a former guest has been in touch. Are you sick of Donald Trump? So I am, and so is Marcella Detroit, who was my guest back in episode 13. Well, Marcella and her friends Hope Juber and Roberta Freeman have formed a group called the Nasty Housewives to make an album of protest songs called Resistors. It's available on their website, thenastyhousewives.com, and I have to say it is absolutely brilliant. When you are at your maddest at Donald Trump and everything he stands for, put it on and I guarantee you'll feel better.
That's Resisters by the Nasty Housewives featuring Marcella Detroit and you can get it on thenastyhousewives.com. Fascinated at headstuff.org if you want to get in touch. Big thanks to my guest, Craig Robert Young. We will have that point soon. I promise that. You can follow Craig on Twitter at Craig or Young. I'm at Garrod Farley. Thanks to everyone at the Headstuff Podcast Network. And don't forget to come down to the Workman's Club on Wednesday at 8pm for the fabulous Deirdre O'Kane and the fabulous Mamie Coleman. It's going to be such a great night. If you want tickets, check out dublinpodcastfestival.ie. There will be a new episode soon. Thanks for listening. Now, this would be the point where I would play a blooper. Something that happened that was funny when I was making this episode. But did you hear this episode? I lost the bloody interview for two years and I missed out on going for a drink with the man. For crying out loud, nothing funny happened during this. So here's the blooper that didn't make the cut for the Ben Adams episode. At the Brit Awards, A1 collected the award for best breakthrough... Shit. At the Brit Awards, A1 collected the award for best breakthrough act. Ah, boots. At the Brit Awards, A1 collected the award for Best Breakthrough Act. Boots. You okay? Come over. Oh, I know it's so sad. Come here. Give me a kiss. Come here. Come over. Yeah. I'm not giving you enough attention. Let's go into the bathroom and we'll drown you. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Free Kids Workshops are back in stores at the Home Depot. On the first Saturday of every month, from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., bring your little ones to a local Home Depot for a hands-on learning experience that kids love. Find more kid-friendly projects and kids' workshop kits at homedepot.com slash kids. For 25 years, the Home Depot has been building confident, future doers with its Free Kids Workshops. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Wasp last, U.S. only.